All right, trying this a third time. For some reason, Facebook Live keeps kicking me off. Um, this doesn't work. Might have to try a different time. Anyway, I was saying, um, the men's group in New York was awesome. Uh, last week, we had, some, we had a great discussion. If I was in New York every week, I would do it every week. I mean, great group, great group of guys. We had an awesome discussion. Um, might actually bring up some of the stuff that we talked about anonymously today. We'll see if it comes up. Um, the men's group in LA will be on October 22nd um, in the evening. If you want to attend, message myself or comment on this or something. Someone will tell you where it is. Um, it's in the Los Angeles area. And I was thinking, you know, I, I move around the world a lot, so I can't really do a thing in a location regularly other than Thailand, but I don't think uh, too many people who are listening to this live in Thailand. Um, but I did have this idea that I meant to mention last week, which is, I want to give an open invitation to anybody who wants to come and hang out in Thailand. This is not a pitch for uh, a course. This is not a, you know, I, I might actually make some sort of immersive course, like on lifestyle creation, whatever, um, remotely at some point. But um, yeah, a couple guys have reached out to me, especially after I started posting about the depression video. A couple guys reached out and some of the other videos have been posting. Um, Guys have been reaching out like, yeah, I don't know what kind of help I need, but I'm kind of in a rut or I'm kind of stuck. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking like, what is the best thing for a person who is stuck or a person specifically who wants to live a lifestyle similar to mine where you are working on your passions and traveling the world? Like a lot of people want this and I'm, I'm very grateful to have this life. And it was like, how can I deliver this to someone or like help some help facilitate someone, um, in achieving a lifestyle like this as easily as possible. And I was thinking, okay, yeah, I could make a course. Maybe one day I will make a course. But what I think is the most effective person, um, effective thing for a person who wants something like this is to start doing it around people who are already doing it. So this is my open invitation to anybody who wants to come hang out. This is, again, not a course. I'm not going to coach you. But if you come to Chiang Mai between November and February, um, we can hang out. I'll invite you to things I go to, uh, and I'll see how much this lifestyle can rub off on you or give you pointers in a social setting. Um, because I think that'd be very fun. So I know, uh, one or two people are taking me up on that. Uh, my boy Aaron actually took me up on it early in the summer. We had a lot of adventures. Um, hopefully he'll come around to Chiang Mai again. So today I wanted to speak about um, something that I was going to speak about last week and then I got distracted by the Joker movie because I wanted to speak about incels and that stuff and male depression. But um, so maybe like two weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast with Jordan Peterson and Camille Paglia, two people I really like for the most part. I don't agree with everything they say, say but there's something they said that I really disagreed with or I think is like one of the missing things specifically for, for Jordan, um, <clears throat> for JP. Uh, which is he was saying something about how uh, it's very hard for men to deal with women in conflict, which is true. Um, he was saying how with uh, men, a male-male conflict is very easy what to do. Like if myself and a man are arguing, we kind of know how it's going to play out if it keeps escalating. You know, it gets to the point where we're saying harsh things, escalates further at some point, one person will push another person and then it's become physical and then you're fighting. If it keeps escalating, you fight till there's some sort of conclusion, and then ideally you're done fighting, unless it's like really a fight to the death. Well, then you're definitely done fighting. It's very clear, though. And not that most conflicts between men go to that point, but it's understandable to men of where conflict goes, right? You get to a point where uh, it's violent, and it's violent, and we, we know how it goes. He was saying how 
if a man is in conflict with a woman, you don't go to that point. Culturally, you know, instinctually, morally, you don't go to the point where you're exchanging blows, but then guys don't know what to do. A, a man who's in conflict with a woman, especially a woman who's bringing up irrational things, will just throw up his hands and be like, I don't know, I give up. And he was saying like, that's just how it is, which is, and that's that's the part which is wrong. That's not how it is because JP, as much as I love what he says, especially about the male hero's journey and stuff like that, he does not understand feminine reality. And this is what I want to break down. I also want to get into uh, a question that someone messaged me on mother complexes, which I think a lot of men, especially in my generation and younger, and maybe a little older um, have, um, and I think they relate. So I'm going to, I'm going to hit both of these today. Um, yeah. And you know, it's, if this is your first time listening, I, you know, I know this is early for the West coast. So if you're, but if you're on live, feel free to drop comments in and I will try to respond. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's my computer or the group, but the, the comments seem to be delayed. So I won't necessarily respond in real time. Okay. So the first thing to understand is what I think a lot of people misunderstand and Jordan Peterson is oblivious to is that there's more than just objective reality. Yes, there's the material world. Uh, we all see a cup here. Uh, you know, if you're looking at me, we're all listening to the same words. That's objective. But most of our sense of the world is not objective. We have our fact-based sensory, you know, we've taken our five senses and for the most part, we all see the same thing. That's objective material reality. But the thing that really gives us a sense of the world is our subjective emotional reality. Um, in the group a couple weeks ago and to YouTube, I posted, and it's also on Instagram, um, how to handle women's emotional realities. I'm going to be touching on some things from that video. I don't want to repeat it, but if you, you know, if you don't get what I'm saying, watch that video. Um, it's basically that uh, a lot of how we, we perceive the world is subjective and emotion based. And for women, especially, or someone who is particularly feminine, oxytocin, uh, serotonin driven, um, as opposed to testosterone driven, um, if some, for someone who is um, in their feminine, you know, we have moments where we're more driven by our emotions than others. Our emotions, our emotional perception dictates what we believe is real or experience is real. Even if we cognitively are like, okay, well, this is how time works and tomorrow is Tuesday and this person did this because of that. When we're in our emotions, we, it's hard to feel like that is real, what I just said, the objective stuff. So all of this is important, not just to trip out on, but because when you're in relationship with someone who's in her feminine, if you're a masculine dude and you're in an intimate relationship, it's probably most of the time with an individual who is in a more feminine state. In fact, if you're doing a good job, you know, job in question in, in quotes, if you're really embodying the masculine pole, you're giving space for the feminine other women. Like I'm saying this and, you know, I, I don't, well, we'll just, I'll just say it how it is. Um, I get the reflection a lot, especially over the last couple of years, that women for the first time will feel safe in expressing their emotions and being irrational and being in their feminine, receptive, sometimes submissive state because I create a certain um, uh, environment where they can do that safely. And for a lot of women who are independent and working and powerful women in the real world and they, they make their own money and they take care of their own lives, they have to be in their masculine to a degree that doesn't feel good. But a lot of these women have never been able to not be in their masculine because they haven't been in the in the protective setting of someone who can allow them to be in their feminine. So I'm going to explain how to do that. But I want, I want everyone to understand what I mean by the feminine emotional reality, because 
JP was saying, Jordan Peterson was saying like, well, men, uh, have, there's nothing they can do if a woman is being irrational and emotional. And that's not true. In fact, you want to be in a situation where you allow for that to happen because even though you might have irrational arguments and like, be, like she might throw things at you that don't make sense objectively, that state that she in that she's in is also what is going to allow her to be uh, have all the virtues of femininity, being receptive, being nurturing, being loving. I mean, I, I, this is kind of a you know a basic concept that I speak about all the time. But uh, in a sexually polarized situation, if you're handling material reality, the objective world, so she can feel safe, she is going to be in that emotional uh, reality where she feeds you those emotions and gives you that drive. I mean, um, I, I saw this in. Um, in a conversation between Jerry Seinfeld and Alec Baldwin, and they're talking about how so much of their success in their careers came from their wives because their wives constantly gave them emotional support and gave them that like passion and vigor and, and courage for life. And they were saying like, yeah, when a woman, this, this is my terrible Jerry Seinfeld impression. He was like, yeah, when a woman loves you, uh, you can do anything. And like, that was, that was bad, but, but it's so, so true. And, and for, for most of us, you know, if you've been in love, if you've been like, if you've felt the pure love of a woman who's in her emotions, not a, not a person who's like in their masculine saying like, oh, you can do it. Like you are objectively are on a path of success. Like, but if they just love you and they just fill you with that, that energy of awesomeness, you can take on anything. And I, and I want to actually call, I'm going on a micro tangent for, for, if you're not understanding the whole emotional reality thing, I want you to consider a time where for whatever reason you felt that you had courage in the face of like maybe objectively scary things, you felt you had courage. And then compare it to a time where maybe in the face of something that wasn't objectively that scary, or maybe something that you've handled in the past, you felt afraid. And I'll speak for myself, like when I'm in a depressed state, let's say I've been not taking care of myself, I've been eating too much sugar, sleeping poorly, ejaculating too much, and I'm about to share something vulnerable online, I'm about to put, out, put myself out there in some way, if I've put myself in a depressed state, I'm terrified. I'm like, oh my God, I have all these negative thoughts. People are going to say this or whatever, whatever, whatever. But if I'm in a space where I'm taking care of myself, I've been eating well, sleeping well, controlling my arousal, doing good things in the world, building my self-esteem and self-love, the same thing that would have terrified me, I feel like I feel fearless about. And there's a self-love piece to this. I mean, they all they all relate, but that's what I'm talking about when you're being fed by uh by feminine reality. So this is not something we want to shy away from. The problem with JP and a lot of, and I don't mean this, and I don't think patriarchy is a bad thing. I think I view it differently than perhaps, uh, I'll actually define it in a second, but one of the negatives with that and this, in a lot of what JP's followers and a lot of red pill, like they, they believe that, and in consumerism and capitalism, they view the feminine reality as inferior, which is what, um, which misses out on some of the fun of relationship. And you have all these guys who don't know how to handle women. I'm going to get to the practical stuff, but I wanted to lay out this, this theory. Um, you have these guys who don't know how to handle women and they get frustrated all the time and like they get left all the time and they miss out on some of the fun of relating to the feminine, the sexiness, the playfulness, the romance, the adventure that comes with being in a sexually polarized interaction. Um, they miss out on it because they don't want to handle it. I'm going to define patriarchy because I've wanted to make a video on this for a while, and then I'm going to get into the practical application of all this handling of the emotional reality. Um, and if you have any questions, drop, drop some questions. Um, so basically what the patriarchy is in a sentence or two, uh, it's not, I don't 
feel, or when I say patriarchy, I'm not talking about a group of old men who got together and says like, let's, let's oppress women and like make them feel small. That might have been a result or that it's a result in some cultures, but simply what it is, is once upon a time before agriculture, um, human beings, really once upon a time, we became a sexually dimorphic species, meaning we have males and females with different body types and different abilities. And there's a reason for that because in a clan of human beings and our ancestors, uh, there are certain activities which are great for, which that which require specialization. So some of the obvious things are men have more muscle, they are better at certain spatial tasks. Uh, women who give birth are better at certain emotional tasks and, and certain like, like their skills women inherently have that men don't like women can hear ambient sounds better than men. This has been clinically proven. Like if you inject testosterone in a person, man, woman or child, they become better at focusing on single points. They become worse at noticing um, ambient sounds or ambient, uh, they, their ambient awareness reduces. Obviously, you can train either one, but this is something that's been clinically tied to testosterone. There are reasons for this. This is not this is not cultural like, oh, men are it's like a cultural thing that men are better at calculus. Like, no, this is like biological. It's not that women can't do it or like obviously there's plenty of women who are better at engineering than plenty of men. But like this is biologic in us. And the reason is that both of these uh, task sets are super important and it's a lot easier to specialize by the sexes than to have everybody do everything. Uh, I mean, and the fact is men can't have babies. So uh, they might as well do that stuff while the women do the thing. Anyway, uh, when agriculture happened and people stopped being nomadic and uh, settling down, the, the, the feminine qualities, the masculine qualities went from being both important and equal to suddenly masculine qualities were made way more important. Why? Because when people started hoarding their wealth, which was only possible um, at a time when people were planting, planting themselves, but also planting or, or like, you know, raising cattle and being in a, in a place, they could hoard wealth. And now in society, in human society, in, uh, during the advent of agriculture, um, masculine qualities, testosterone fuel characteristics actually did become more useful, at least in society, because prior to that, you know, clans shared all their wealth. They shared all their resources. Arguably, they shared their sexual resources, a la sex at dawn, you know, monogamy, uh, came along with agriculture. People wanted to hoard their food, hoard their wealth, hoard their sexual resources as opposed to sharing it with everyone. So we won't go on that tangent. But basically, um, suddenly uh, it wasn't that useful. So like since everyone became their own individual nuclear nuclear family and eventually uh, with consumerism, modern day consumerism, everyone is expected to be their, their own everything. Like when you have money, because money didn't exist pre-agriculture. When you have your own money and you can buy everything for yourself, you no longer are tied to your tribe. You no longer need anything. You no longer need the other any other half uh, on a material level. Um, so what, what the result of that was that people who are not so testosterone driven because uh, you know oxytocin and serotonin driven characteristics aren't great in the cutthroat world of the marketplace. They became worse at things and the people who are testosterone driven men became better at things. And over the years, the divide, you know, it com compounded so that men were far better at uh, garnishing power than women because the female qualities are really great in connection with someone handling material reality. The modern day result is everyone has to be their own masculine and feminine. Masculine traits are more highly valued than feminine traits. Therefore, you have all these women who are forcing themselves to go against their own biology, biology and some of them succeeding, um, but it's not natural to them. And a lot of people are missing out 
both men and women are missing out on the feminine. So as a good man or a man who wants to get the most out of life or a person who wants to uphold the masculine, your job is not only to win in the marketplace or, or, or win the challenges, which are the virtues of masculinity. It's also to give space for the feminine because that's the piece that you're missing. If you are a masculine person, that's great. But part of your role or part of it's not even about a moral thing. It's like about getting the most out of life is giving the space for the feminine and other people, providing them with the masculine side so they can relax their masculinity and you guys can have that synergistic ball. That's all the theory I got on that. Sorry if I, I ranted a little bit. Actually, not sorry. I, I think this is all this is all great. Um, but now practical application. So uh, the whole thing with the Jordan Peterson quote was that he didn't understand. You see, he's like, men can't do anything. It's not true. And the, the thing is, most people, when they look at things purely materially, if you look at it from a purely consumerist, post-agriculture, capitalist view, not even capitalist, just consumerist, anything with, with money and hoarding wealth, if you look at feminine driven behaviors oxytocin driven behaviors they're not rational because you know someone who's super oxytocin driven is not going to try to win at monopoly they might like start sharing it doesn't make any sense they might um they might do do irrational things like they say one thing and they do another thing that doesn't that would never fly in a testosterone driven situation but intimate relationship is not right if someone is sinking into their feminine uh it usually means she's put her guard down and and, and you know a lot of guys will see the most irrational parts of a woman when they start dating. Why? Because the woman finally feels relaxed enough to let you know how she really feels, which might not always make sense. So what does a man do? Your thing is to ground it out. And I'm going to use different terms. I know grounding is not a term everyone likes to use. But when a woman's throwing her uh, irrationality at you, your job is to not go on her ride. It's to give her space for it and hold true to what you know is true. This is why I spent all this time talking about subjective realities. It's kind of a brainwashing thing. I, someone asked me about, they want me to talk about my time in the sex cult. I will probably do that on a later Sunday. But um, one thing I learned about brainwashing uh, for sure is that a lot of our perception of reality, a lot of our subjective reality is based on other people, right? Because by ourselves, if we were just like dropped on an island or like just existing in a vacuum, we wouldn't really have a clear sense of how we should feel. I know this maybe is, you know, maybe a controversial idea because all of us are like, oh, no, I know what I believe about the world. It's like, no, no, you don't. If I put you in a group of people who are very strong-willed and they all believe the same thing, I don't care how strong you are. Eventually, your perception, it's not even your beliefs. You might think, oh, these people are crazy. But just the fact that they are setting the norm is going to shift how you perceive things. Like, oh, yeah, I guess that is, yeah, that is better than that. Like, I mean, these subjective things that mark how we feel. So if a woman's being crazy with you, your job is to ground into reality. It's to not take things personally. Because the, the, the problem that a lot of guys have is that they will try to fix it. They'll be, oh, that's wrong or that needs to be fixed. Or I'm going to change that. And that's not what they want. The feminine just wants space to explore in, in the container of the safety of your reality. It's like when she feels instinctually that you are handling things, that she can be safe in, in un unpacking, then she will. And it's great because sometimes for her to access that inner goddess who loves sex and blowjobs and and i'm just using the stuff that men really like you know uh nurturing and loving you she kind of has to clear out some shit sometimes in fact that's what needs to happen for you know a, a sexless relationship to become sexual again um so the, the the key thing and i talk about this a lot in the masculine archetype challenge is a concept called limbic dominance so i'm not going to explain all of it because i go into that in the course but 
your limbic system is the emotional part of your brain to put in very simple terms. Um, the most dominant person, the person who's most secure in his or her reality typically will set the reality for other people. So like when I was saying that our reality is set by the people we interact with, it's not even, it's like if you take two people or five people or 10 people, it's not like they're all going to even out and like have an average reality that comes together. No, it's the person, it's like, you can think of like how secure a person is in their reality as like gravity or like planets, like the bigger planet is going to draw in the smaller planets. So when she's having, you know, if she's on her period and she's having emotions that don't make sense or she's asking for things or she has conflicting desires and you're like, I don't know what the hell's going on or she's yelling at you for something that doesn't make any sense. It's your job to have the greater gravity to bring her back into orbit and then everyone can settle in and then she can, you can both realign with each other. That's kind of the masculine's role, which, and so this is a term that I learned in, in the cults around subjective reality, which is don't go on her ride. Like, a lot of guys, if they're not fixing her, they're like, oh, I'm trying to empathize. It's like the, a kind of a nice guy thing or like a weaker man thing. Like, I want to be here for her. She she thinks she's like having a hard time with this. I need to feel like it's this is like the, the end of the world too. No, if you do that, you're kind of failing her too. Even if you're being empathetic and you're like trying to validate what she's feeling, if you go on her ride, if you start believing the world is over, she's not going to be able to feel safe. She needs to, she needs to express her whatever dramatic feelings in the presence of someone who can ground her back to everything is okay. And sometimes it's just being there and listening and not taking whatever she says personally and be like, okay, she's having a hard time. She's going to come back. And I think this takes a lot of personal security, especially if you're with a woman in intimate relationships, we give each other permission to really be ourselves. And sometimes be our, being ourselves means hurting the other person. Sometimes you're if you're in a, a, a romantic relationship, she might get triggered by something. She might she might say or do something that hurts your feelings. I mean, because especially if she knows you well, she might say the thing that's going to really harm you. And this is easier said than done, but the most secure thing is always to be like, okay, I'm not going to take this personally because I know she's having a hard time. I'm going to keep grounding. It doesn't mean you have no boundaries. You know, you might have to you know set certain limits. She might reveal something about her character, which you don't want to relate with anymore, but that doesn't mean you, you lash out. It's never, it's never a move of strength or security or male dominance to lash back out at someone or especially a feminine individual who is lashing out on you because you have to recognize their pain. This is compassion and love. Um, yeah. I did want to leave time to talk about the mother complex and then I went a little bit longer on my rants than I expected to but so I might go into this more I do want to lay down some ideas because I said I was going to talk about it and someone did ask about it very simply uh, a mother complex is I mean the, the very simplistic idea is like any unhealthy um, connection or developmental connection you have with your mother that affects you as an adult and the the most common things are how so many men of my generation still have boy or childlike behaviors even as a grown man I mean, um, again, with consumerism, consumerism uh, encourages us to be children longer. I mean, like in the 50s, you were a man at 18. In uh, 1000 BC, a boy was actually a man at 13. When if, you know, he was Jewish and he had his bar mitzvah, he actually was a man at 13. Now it's kind of a joke. If a, if a, if a Jewish kid in New York has his bar mitzvah, no one actually thinks he's a man at 13. Like, you know, but that was a thing at one point in our, in our culture. And over time, with the securities and technologies and abundance we'd be able to create, uh, people can stay children longer. 
Uh, but it's gotten to a point where it's out of hand where you think of college students as children as opposed to adults who are studying. Sometimes you think of 30-year-olds as kids. And you know, I, I hear from guys all the time who are my age, sometimes even older, who are like, I feel like a boy. Even married men. I have some clients who are married and they have their own children, but like, I still feel like a boy. This is the issue. Um, and a lot of it ties to our relationship with our mother. I, I don't think I have time to go too deep into it. I don't want this to be more than 30 minutes, but... Um, a lot of it happens when uh, we develop unhealthy attachments to our mother. There's two, there's two common uh, situations. One is enmeshment, which is where we have to parent our mother for whatever reason, a parent to our parent. A child has to parent their parent, and it creates this weird situation growing up. Um, but the one I want to speak about more is where um, an adult man still feels like he is a child in relationship to his mother, even if, it's, if he's not, even if he's not in connection with his mother and you know, uh, or if his mother had passed and he still feels this child relationship, that's not healthy because that will show up in his relationships with women if he's straight, um, where he ends up being in this situation. And this actually came up where a friend of a friend was saying she's dating this guy and whenever they're alone together and they're being intimate, he acts like a child. Like he'll hug her like he's a little boy, like he'll hug her lower body like he's a little boy and his voice will come like a little boy. And you know, I hear that and I'm like, well, shit, like this guy has clearly got a mother complex um, because something is incomplete in his childhood. And I could go into more theory, um, but I'm just going to boil it down to practical things if this is something that relates to you. Um, I do want to say one thing. Um, this is kind of, this is uh, Maria, Marie von Franz theory. Uh, she, she was a Jungian psychologist, uh, Jung's protege. Um, she noted that when men go are prone to violence or intellectualism, like they live in their head or they want to fight things all the time, it's usually because of a mother complex. Because if they had an overbearing mother, a mother who was like constantly in their business and constantly trying to, you know, mother them and over nurture them and like always be involved, and like this is something. Maybe I'll tell the story of my own life more when there's more time, maybe in the future. But when a when a boy has a mother like this, as he grows up he retreats to the areas of violence and intellectualism. Why? Because the feminine oxytocin motherly driven qualities don't tend to live in violent thinking or intellectual thinking. So uh, such a person will grow up and he might uh, overly be into uh, violence. He might be, he might live in his head all the time. He might always want to think about abstract thought because those are two areas of his mind where his mom won't invade like every other area of his life especially emotional relating he always hears his mom's voice to, to some degree in his head and um such a guy even if he becomes fairly secure well and this is this is kind of i don't know uh, somewhat relates to me um he will grow up going from woman to woman having all these experiences but every time he starts to become too close with a woman he will kind of freak out and avoid why? Because his that part of his life is so tied to his mother relationship. This is kind of the weird stuff. He'll start to feel like he's cheating on his mother if he gets too intimate with a woman. So for any guys out there who kind of feel like a boy sometimes or who live in their head or who have violent thoughts more than seems healthy or they can't seem to stay close with a woman, like they might have lots of sexual experiences but they never get close, this may relate to you. And, you know, the guy who messaged me about this in this group I suggested a few basic things, which I think, you know, sometimes the best solutions are basic. Some of it was taking responsibility because as we know in BDSM, if you caught my podcast with Omar Pani, um, 
responsibility creates power. People say power creates responsibility. It's the other way around as well. If you take responsibility for things, that automatically puts you in the father archetype, right? Whether you're taking responsibility, obviously for your own life first, for other people, for your family, for your life, for your friends, um, for your team, for your business, or future business, laying down the foundation for the life you want to create. When you take responsibility for things, and specifically people are relying on you, you can't possibly stay in boy mode. Children get to depend on other people. Adults have other people depend on them, specifically parents. So I was saying, like, I was telling this guy, like, based on his situation, I won't reveal too much, but he needed to move out. You know, he was a little bit older than one than he wanted to be living with his, you know, family. Um, take responsibility of his finances take responsibility for the career he wanted to create. I mean, these are kind of obvious things. It's kind of like the JP to bring it back to Jordan Peterson, make your damn bed and then take over the world. Um, that's important because like, it's like all about stepping into tension. Boys avoid tension. Uh, men step into tension because they have to, because pre bringing us back full circle, pre agriculture, uh, the testosterone driven human beings, they would have a rite of passage. I taught, spoke about this in the poor Eternus video on my YouTube. Um, they had a rite of passage that humbled them and connected them to the collective so they didn't feel like they were using their testosterone-driven power for selfish gain. It's like, oh, I am part of this group. This group needs me. This group relies on my warrior ability, my king abilities, you know. Um, so I, I have to I have to embody it and take responsibility. And that's what um, drives them into being men rather than boys. Um, the last thing on how to get out of boy mode, how to one way to overcome the the mother complex is going to step into attention. I was speaking, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I was asking them, are you willing to die for what you believe in? And, uh, you know, this might seem like a dramatic statement, but this is the, this is the nature of, of taking on your fears, whether it's approaching a woman or putting yourself out there or quitting your job and, and, you know, seeking your, your passion business, you know, are you willing to die? Are you willing to fail? Because that's the whole thing. It's like great to have all this positive thinking and be like, well, I'm going to succeed no matter what. I think when people bolster themselves up with positive mental attitudes too much and they disconnect from the reality, their first setback, they're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, maybe that law of attraction stuff didn't work and they give up. No, no. Especially if you're, if you're, if you're a masculine person, part of what you need, part of your role in society and the human collective is to take on challenges, which means sometimes you fail. If you're living at your edge, sometimes you're going to fall on the side of success. Sometimes you're going to fall on the side of failure. Losing is part of it. Losing boldly is part of it. And, um, and uh, so because like one of the key differences between boy psychology and man psychology is awareness of your mortality. Um, guys who, you know, put off their dream for decades you know, I know a lot of these guys, guys my age and older, who like who want to do this thing when they're in their twenties, but now they're thirty-five and like they're still like, ah, oh, yeah, one day I'll do it. That only boys can do that. When you're a child, you can imagine that you can be everything, but when you're a man, you have to consider, oh shit, I only have so many of these decades left. I only have so many days. Like one day, I am going to die. And when when you really feel that, that's when you stop procrastinating. It's like I don't have I don't have forever to work on my book or 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 seek out my love or go on the adventures or be the man in the society I live in that I want to be. It's like, you only have limited minutes. And when you're, when you actually, when you actually become a man in your psychology, in your mind, you're like, okay, I'm going to die. I better do this shit because life is finite. Um, at least this incarnation in this being that you are in this timeline. 
of reality is finite. Okay, anyway, um, I hope I wasn't too heady today. Uh, also, okay, just last announcements. Actually, I want to end with a dream I just had because I meant to journal it and it's coming up and it's relevant. I had this dream. Um, well, I watched this this movie by Alejandro Jodorowsky called El Topo. It's kind of like this weird acid Western. I didn't make sense of it, but there's a lot of dueling. And I think dueling culture is really interesting. I mean, you see this in in, in all sorts of media, like old stuff, Westerns, um, uh, Victorian England, uh, medieval Europe, like dueling was a thing between men. It's like, it's like almost like one of the most masculine things. Actually, there's theories that I forget which generation. I think it was like the 1700s where dueling became less popular, start, like, especially amongst uh, high society. Um, man-to-man duels was seen as, was becoming to be seen as barbaric. Like if you know American history, um, was it Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr had a duel in Jersey and they had to cross the, the Hudson River to go to New Jersey because uh, in New York they said dueling is no longer allowed. But like these were two men who had to deal with some shit between them and they dueled and Aaron Burr killed Alexander Hamilton and he became less popular and Hamilton became a musical and all that stuff. Um, but um, there are theories that the loss of dueling culture was a huge damage to masculinity because even though, yeah, in some forms it is barbaric to, to kill each other over an argument, it settled things. It, it put things out. I mean, there's more to this theory than that, but this was like something that was inherently masculine that was lost. I'm not saying we should do that, but anyway, this movie had a lot of dueling in it. And um, I had a dream last night where I was, I was like in like, old Mexico or something like that. And I was um, traveling with my business partner and I had just, you know, it was like, it was maybe, I don't know, 1800s. It was like that kind of feel. And I just married someone and I was trying to fit us in like this bed and I was trying to keep pushing over my business partner because like, it was like the two of us who traveled through Mexico together. Now I had this wife and like, he wouldn't move and like we were fighting over space. And then he sat up, he was this guy, he kind of looked like um, Danny, Trujillo, the actor, uh, I might be saying his name wrong, um, but he sat up and he showed me his tongue. And in the dream, I was like, oh, that means he wants to duel to the death. And I was like, oh, tomorrow? And he's like, yes, tomorrow. And I was like, oh, that, that was how we're going to settle it. And I, in the dream, I didn't actually get to duel him, but I was like, oh, shit, like tomorrow I might die and or tomorrow he might die, but we're going to settle this. And this is like, this is, there's no running away from this. This is what it is. And the worst case scenario, I no longer exist after tomorrow. Best case scenario, we just dealt with this thing like men. There's no animosity. I don't know why I'm bringing this this dream other than it's relevant to what I just said, but acknowledging your death and being willing to face death is one of the markers of being a grown man. And I will admit, even in the dream, I was very afraid and I was tempted to run away, but I just knew that it wasn't the right thing. I don't know. I'm not saying that people should duel. I just want to be clear. I'm going to talk about kind of metaphorically. It's also a little earlier than I am used to waking up. Um, I, I think I'm going to change the time for this. I am on the West Coast for another week. I'm also going to be in Thailand. Also, I don't know. I don't know what, what time is great for you guys because last week there were like 19 people on the live and today it's been like one to three. Um, yeah. You know, if you didn't catch the early announcements, um, men's group in L.A. is October 22nd in the evening. Um, Next week, I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about. If you have any questions, feel free to pop them into the group, and that will become our topic of discussion. All right. Thanks for being on. See you next week or in person or something.